Welcome to the Stonebridge Community Church online worship service. Today you'll hear the Word of God read, the message from this weekend's in-person service, and two songs to guide you in worship. Thanks for joining us today. Well, for those of you I haven't met, I'm Pastor John, the senior pastor here at Stonebridge. And as I said at the beginning of the service, we are in the season of Advent. And Advent is where we pause to acknowledge our longing and our hope and the fact that we are waiting. We're waiting for Jesus' return, and that is part of our identity. It's part of who we are as the people of God. And this year, it felt like during Advent, one of the best ways to prepare for Jesus' return is to go back and look at how the Gospels prepare us for Jesus' arrival, specifically in the Gospel of Mark. And in the Gospel of Mark, it is John the Baptist who prepares us for Jesus' earthly ministry. So we're going to be looking at John the Baptist in the Gospel of Mark and looking at the content of his preaching and really looking at one verse over the next three weeks, Mark 1.4 which tells us what it was John the Baptist was preaching. We're going to look at a different angle of this verse over the next three weeks here. So I'm going to be reading Mark chapter 1, verse 4. And I invite you to hear the word of God. John the baptizer appeared in the wilderness, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. Let me just read that one more time. John the baptizer appeared in the wilderness, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. Please join me in prayer. Lord, we thank you for bringing us here together. We thank you that here in this place, your spirit is with us. And we thank you that here in this place, we can be prepared for your return into this world. Lord, we know that in one way you are with us, but we also know that in another way you are still not here. We know that this world is still broken and that when you fully return, you will make it right. Help us to hold on to that hope. Help us to hold on to that longing, Lord. And guide us now. We thank you. We praise you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Growing up, one of the things that I always loved was Christmas Day. And one of the things that I loved was sitting around and having the family before Christmas telling stories, talking about what was going to happen during Christmas, talking about what was going to happen on that day, talking about the food we would eat, the people we would see. And as I got older and older, I realized the anticipation of Christmas was almost as good as Christmas itself. And that it made Christmas that much better to be sitting around telling stories about it. That's what Advent is. It's anticipating Jesus' return. It's telling stories about Jesus' return, about what Jesus will do, building up that hope, building up that excitement. That's what this season is, and it's an important one for us to partake in. And I think it's important as well to go back and do what we're doing. Look at how John the Baptist prepared people for Jesus' return or for Jesus' arrival in this earthly ministry so that we can be prepared for Jesus' return. But let's start with a more basic question first. Who exactly is John the Baptist? 
I'm sure many of us, if not all of us, have heard the name John the Baptist. We know something about him, but specifically, who exactly is he? He's a rather mysterious figure who shows up primarily at the beginning of the Gospels. He shows up a couple places in history outside of the Gospels, but it's in the Gospels that we learn the most about John the Baptist. Now, if you jump over to the Gospel of Luke, you have all sorts of details about John the Baptist. You learn that he is a relative of Jesus's. You learn that he grew up in a priestly family. You get a long story, actually, about John the Baptist and his background. But it's important to remember that the Gospels originally were four separate documents. For hundreds of years, they were on their own. They weren't compiled into one group for at least a couple hundred years. So early Christians would have just had one of these Gospels, which means thousands of Christians, when the church was beginning, wouldn't have just had the Gospel of Mark. And when you look at John the Baptist in the Gospel of Mark, he's a very mysterious figure who just shows up. There isn't a lot of background with him. When you look just at the Gospel of Mark, he's pretty odd. He's a little different. He wears weird clothing, Mark tells us. He lives out in the wilderness by himself. He has a very interesting diet. On the one hand, he eats wild honey, which sounds good. On the other hand, he eats locusts, bugs. Has anybody here eaten locusts before? Paul, you have. Yeah, you did the shy little high. You didn't think I'd see it, though. A little, yeah. How was it? Nasty? Yeah. So I got to say, I asked that question last night also at our other service. I thought both times nobody would say yes, but here we are. So you surprised me. But eating bugs and honey, and that's it. He's set apart as different. We also learn he's a little intense as well. Later on in the Gospel of Mark, we're told that he's willing to stand up to a king. King Herod has taken his brother's wife, and John says that's not right. That doesn't follow God's law. And it ends up costing John the Baptist his life. He's willing to stand up for what he believes is right to the point of death. He's intense. To be honest, I don't know if he would be the best dinner guest, but he's important. And more than anything, John the Baptist is known for preparing people for Jesus. That's what he lived for. In fact, it was his identity. He prepared people for Jesus. Each time in the Gospels, he says, there is somebody coming after me who is going to be greater than I am. He wanted to point people to Jesus. So how exactly did John prepare people for Jesus? Well, he did it two ways, really. He prepared people for Jesus through preaching and through baptism. That's how he prepared people for Jesus. And in Mark chapter 1, 4 here, we see the content of his preaching. Mark tells us that John was preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. That's how he was preparing people for Jesus. Baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. Each week, we're going to be looking at one piece of that. And today, we're going to be looking at baptism. 
Baptism was a core way that John prepared people for Jesus. But what exactly is baptism? It's one of those churchy words. It's one of those words that you're around church long enough, you hear it over and over and over again. But I don't know if any of us can actually nail down exactly what it is and what's going on. When we go and look at John the Baptist, it's pretty clear that baptism was a cleansing ritual. It was meant to prepare people. You would go down into the waters, you would go under the waters, you would be cleansed, and when you came up, you were ready for something new. But beyond that with John the Baptist, we don't know a ton more about what exactly baptism was. So from that point on, nearly every Christian tradition has come up with an explanation of what baptism is. And nearly every Christian tradition has disagreed with the other traditions about what baptism is. So baptism is one of those areas where we can have disagreements and it is okay on what we believe it is. But I am going to share with you the answer to that question from the Reformed tradition, which is my own theological tradition, which is the correct one also. Baptism at its core is about identity. Baptism changes your identity. And that concept of identity is an important one today. We have all sorts of different things clamoring for our attention, trying to define who we are, claiming our identity. And I think we, without realizing it, end up picking and choosing from different places, different sources as to what our identity actually is. I know many of us define ourselves by our careers, or we define ourselves by our family relationships. That's where we get our identity from. We define ourselves by our hobbies. I think today, one thing that really concerns me is many people get their identity from their political backgrounds, their political ideology, or their party. Oftentimes, which concerns me the most, this happens without even realizing it. Their faith becomes fused with their politics in a way that they don't really examine. When it comes to baptism, though, one of the things that the Reformed tradition has emphasized over and over again is that that's your identity. With baptism in the Reformed tradition, when we look at it, it doesn't rest on the decision of one person. Baptism is not the result of the work of human beings in the Reformed tradition. Baptism is the work of the Holy Spirit. And the way that the Reformed tradition has talked about baptism is that baptism is a sign of the Holy Spirit's work. When we baptize somebody, it's the physical manifestation of the work the Spirit has been doing in somebody's life. Let me explain it this way. Imagine a young woman in her 30s. She's a CEO of a powerful company. She is not a follower of Jesus. But then in her 30s, she decides, I want to be baptized. That decision is actually the very tail end of the process. And the belief is that the Holy Spirit has been working in her life long before that decision to be baptized. Most likely, there was somebody the Holy Spirit brought into her life who first talked to her about who Jesus was. 
Most likely there was a church community or probably a number of church communities these days that she had interacted with at some point where she'd heard whispers of who Jesus was, of what God was doing in Jesus. And the Holy Spirit was involved in that work the whole time. In fact, the Holy Spirit was involved from before the moment she was born in her life, bringing her to that point, to that decision. And baptism is just the sign of the Holy Spirit's work. Not just a symbol, by the way. A sign points to something greater. It's a piece of something greater. So baptism is not dependent on human decision. It's not dependent on human work. It is the Holy Spirit's work. That's what baptism is. Now, because of that, I think there's a few things that we can infer. One, in in our tradition, baptism, we do baptize children and infants in the Reformed tradition. And in the next few weeks, we're going to have some baptisms here at Stonebridge. And one of those is going to be an infant. And I'll just confess to you now, it's my infant. So if you don't think he should be baptized, we can talk about that at another time. We're baptizing him. But we baptize infants because it's not dependent on human choice. It's not just a person's decision. And it's not on that individual to carry the baptism forward. The baptism is good because it's the Holy Spirit's work. And the Holy Spirit will be faithful to those vows. The other piece of it is that in baptism, when we're cleansed, it's not just for salvation. I'll explain that a little bit later, but it's not just so that you can be saved. You are baptized and you are cleansed to be a part of the body of Christ, to be part of the church. Baptism is the initiation of a person into the body of Christ. That's why you are cleansed. That's why you are brought into this church. And the belief is that the Holy Spirit can choose to initiate someone into the church whenever the Holy Spirit wants to and at whatever age that person is. So if the parents in the church community have discerned, have prayed, have decided that their child should be part of the body of Christ, the Holy Spirit will be faithful to that. It's a sign of the Holy Spirit's work. You start to see that in baptism. It's not about just the individual person. It's about the Holy Spirit bringing all of us together as the body of Christ. Knitting us together, binding us together as one people throughout all time and space. And through the Holy Spirit and through our baptisms, we are one. That's one of the main points the Apostle Paul tries to teach, particularly in the book of Ephesians. Now, I said earlier with baptism, it's not just about salvation. And one question that always comes up is, is baptism necessary for salvation? And my answer to that would be no. I don't think it is necessary. And I say that because there's an example in the Gospel of Luke. Jesus is on the cross with a thief. There's no evidence that the thief has been baptized. There's no evidence that the thief has known Jesus until that very moment. But that thief says, When you enter into your kingdom, remember me. And Jesus says to him, today you will be with me in paradise. So there is somebody who prominently is with Jesus in paradise who 
we have no evidence was ever baptized. And if baptism was necessary, I think Jesus would have said, okay, let's figure out how to get you baptized before you die here in these next few minutes. But that doesn't happen. So no, I don't think baptism is necessary for salvation, but I think it is sufficient for salvation. Because salvation also rests in the hands of God, in the hands of the Holy Spirit. And it is the Holy Spirit who will be faithful to the baptism. And I think for any of us who have loved ones, family members, or children who have walked away from faith, this should be a word of hope. That those baptismal vows that were taken, the Holy Spirit will be faithful to those vows. That the promises that were made, the Holy Spirit will be faithful to those promises. That is not dependent on the decision of a person, but it's dependent on the work of the Holy Spirit who already said, this person is part of the body of Christ. The Holy Spirit will be faithful, I believe, to those vows. Because it's not about us. It's about God's work. And that's true of baptism also. And I hope that that's a word of hope for any of us who have had people who have walked away from faith. You don't know what God is going to continue to do in that person's life. You don't know how God is already still working in that person's life. But we know that God is faithful and that those promises that were made, God will be true to those also. The Holy Spirit will sustain a baptized person through their life, I believe, fully. Now, we're talking about baptism, though, to look at how does this prepare us for Jesus? John the Baptist called people to be baptized, that they would be cleansed for Jesus' earthly ministry. And now we believe that baptism cleanses us to be part of the body of Christ. And part of being the body of Christ, at the core at being the body of Christ, is the hope that we have that Jesus will return. Really, at the end of the day, we're, we're united in our baptisms, but it's that hope that pulls us together. That hope that this broken world that we experience will be restored. And once you are baptized into the body of Christ, you are surrounded by people who share that hope with you, who remind you of that hope. And in that, we sustain one another's hope. We come together every single week so we can be reminded of that hope. Many of you participate in life groups, small groups, growth groups that sustain that hope. We come alongside and serve the community around us so that they can see that hope. And in doing that, we prepare ourselves for Jesus' return. And even more than that, we remind one another of what our identity really is. You may have walked in here thinking that your identity is that you are a Republican or you are a Democrat, or you are a conservative, or progressive, or moderate, or an independent. You may have come in here thinking that at your core, your identity is you are an American, or a Californian, or you're trying to run from your Californian identity as much as you can. That's not me, though. I love California. The truth is, your identity is that you are a baptized, faithful member of the body of Christ if you have been baptized. And that is your core identity. When you are baptized, that is who you are at your core. Everything else is secondary to that identity as a child of God who has been baptized into the faith and into the church. And in baptism, we remind ourselves of that. 
and it prepares us for Jesus' return. It reminds us of who we are. It reminds us of the hope that we have to share with this world. And it prepares us for that day when Jesus returns. So, who should be baptized? Well, if you haven't been baptized, you is the answer. Now, if you have been baptized, you're good. You're in. You don't need to be baptized again. Your baptism is dependent on the work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will be faithful to that baptism. You don't need to be baptized again. In fact, you can't be baptized again. Once you're initiated into the people of God, into the church, you are in. The Holy Spirit is going to be faithful. So we can remind you of your baptismal vows. But if you haven't been baptized, then it's you. If you believe Jesus is Lord, if you believe he is going to return, then it's you. In these next few weeks, as I said, we're going to be doing some baptisms in the services, in different services here at Stonebridge. And if you haven't been baptized yet, I invite you to pray over that, to discern over that, to see if maybe you are called to be baptized. And if you have been baptized, I invite you to remember your baptismal vows. In those moments in the next few weeks when we're doing a baptism, we're going to be doing one at each of the different services too. So no matter what service you go to, you should see a baptism. In that moment, remind yourself of the vows that were taken. Remind yourself of the promises of the Holy Spirit. Remind yourself that that's your identity. That is who you are. Remind yourself that the hope that Jesus will return defines you. That's who should be baptized. And if you've been baptized, you should remember your vows. Remember your identity. Our identity is people who believe Jesus will return. May that hope sustain us and may we sustain one another as the Holy Spirit is faithful in baptism to us. Please pray with me. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you for the promise of the Holy Spirit. We thank you that in baptism, we are united as your body in this world. We thank you that you are faithful to your promises. Help us to understand our identity. Though we may not be able to explain it perfectly, though we know that there's all sorts of disagreements about what baptism actually is, at our core, Lord, help us to understand our identity as your baptized people. Cleansed so that we can share this hope that we have in you with the world around us. Let that hope sustain us, and may your Holy Spirit sustain that hope.